Hey folks, Celica here, creator and host of The Color Girl Beautiful. If you're tuning in for the first time, thanks for coming through. We're currently between seasons and we'll be back with brand new content later this fall. But not to worry, there's plenty of content for you to check out in the meantime. Obviously, the episode you're about to listen to right now is amazing, and we believe the entire back catalog is worth your time. But if you're looking for a place to start, I recommend episode one, which is an introduction to the show's genesis, or episode four, which just happens to be one of my favorites. After that, the sky's the limit. I hope you stick around, and I'm super excited for you to hear season two. Anywho, happy listening, and see you around. Azalea, okay, we have to talk about appearance because I'm all of my feelings about this chapter on appearance. Oh, do you have the passage that, um, it's just the way you describe it. I don't know. It just makes it seem a couple of them that I highlighted. Yeah. Really heavy. Why don't you tell me about what Azalea had to say about this. Oh boy. Oh, Azalea. Uh and listen, I like to look nice just as much as the next woman. But this is the line. Where was the one where it um she says something about uh we have to oh there we go. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, this is the big one. I, I think this sort of gives a good overall point of view on, on what Azalea thinks about clothes. We should be particular to give the best possible and most pleasing picture to others at all times. There should be no being caught. One should be prepared early in the morning, any time of day, and all through the night. Mm. Listen, I can't do that. <laughs> But you have done it in the past. I guess the, I guess so. So I realized in my conversation with Nicole that I had done that in the past. I had put lots of time and effort into making sure that I was presentable at all times. There was a point in my life where... I put a great deal of effort into making sure that people were perceiving me a certain way. And so I felt like I had to be on all of the time. And looking back on that now, (laughs) that feels exhausting. And I, I could not imagine keeping up with that today. But it did make me stop and think. Why is that something we do? And have I let it go entirely? Mm, Probably not. Hey, Azalea, it's Aselica again. And this is The Colored Girl Beautiful, a heartfelt letter from one generation of Black women seeking liberation to another. So a colored girl should study her individuality and her life position and dress accordingly. 
Now, this I can manage. This has more of a dress for success type vibe to me, which that makes sense. But the best possible, most pleasing picture, that feels like pressure. Woo! What do yeah. you <laughs> We have strayed far. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that sentiment, though? Is that something you generally agree with? No. Do you have thoughts about? Okay. Cutting you off. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, no. Uh, who did you find to talk to about all these interesting I, Yes, thoughts? I found the lovely Andrea. So um, when I was talking with Andrea, she has one of the best introductions that I have ever encountered in, in, this, in, in all these interviews. Whoa, um, yeah. high Pro- bar. Probably my favorite, yeah. My name is Andrea Rennell. And can you tell me something... Um, about who you are, something that's important to you. Some people say what they do. Some people say something about the personality. You get to decide what that is, but something important about you. I'm going to say that I'm a black woman. Mm. Um, I don't want to say that like I'm a teacher or a daughter or like, a friend. <laughs> Those are things that like anybody can be. But wasn't it Maya Angelou where she was like, it's like the most incredible thing to be born a black woman. Like if I were to be born again, I wouldn't want to be anything else. Hmm. Something like that. I might've made that up. I'm pretty sure Maya Angelou said that. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like something she would say. Yeah. I buy that. Yeah. We'll say that she said it. Maya Angelou said that. <laughs> <laughs> You are a black woman. I'm a black woman. You two sound like you have a lot of fun together. Have we you all like do. hung out before? I, I didn't know that before I interviewed her. Because <laughs> we hadn't, you know, I knew her from church, but we hadn't hung out before that. But it just so happens that she's just like, we get along really well. She's just like this super fun um and also very open wonderful chatty person <laughs> like that you called her chatty yeah i mean we were chatty together right. we have like a hundred hours of right? <laughs> that was obviously fueled by me <laughs> i take full responsibility <laughs> i'm not mad about it i'm not i, I don't apologize <laughs> andrea and i did have a lot of fun chatting and she had very strong opinions about what Madam Hackley had to say. You know, am I to the point where I'm wearing a bonnet in public? No. Am I passing judgment for people that do it now? No. Mm. And I think that was a big step for me. Is I used to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you would leave the house in a bonnet. But now I'm like, I mean, sh- I probably should be covering up this mess. <laughs> um. So no, she says you should always leave with like the best mm-hmm. it possible, says, the best possible, most pleasing no, picture ma'am. at all times. No, ma'am. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot of work. That's a whole lot. I think that's definitely like that, like night. Well, okay. In the night, this is written in the 1900s. Yeah. The early 19, 19 teens, 1916. Yikes. Mm-hmm. So one, we were like barely out the slave game. Two. Probably if you were out and black and looking less than, people were automatically going to be like super nasty to you. But at least if you came out with some class, 
you have that going for you. Can you tell me what your feelings are about, like your general feelings are about personal appearance and, and if that's something that's important to you and why? Hmm. That's a tough one. Um, it's important to me in certain aspects. Um, I don't wear makeup on a day-to-day basis. Um, I don't really get my nails done anymore. And when I was, it was just like color, not like, you know, anything crazy. Um, I try and have my hair done, but also... I will throw on a scarf in the parking lot of my job and call it a day. So in that respect, I'm like, whatever, I don't have time for this. But then there are other parts of me that really desire to be this like effortless, like elegant beauty thing. Like, I admire all the Instagram girls who are, like, always done and, like, always just, like, so clear and beautiful and, you know, put together. It is absolutely fascinating to me that the concerns you expressed about how we present ourselves as Black women and this push to be presentable is very similar to what we as Black women are still concerned about today. I mean, I think maybe the particulars have changed, but the overall idea still pretty much holds fast. Even when we understand perfectly the amount of effort that goes into looking your best all of the time. And yet we all have specific things that are particularly important to us. What do you think makes one beautiful? Clear skin. Um hair that looks cute I think for black women hair is like a a tough one especially with this the past I mean it's gotta be at least 10 years now of like the natural hair movement Mm -hmm. um so that's a tough one I definitely try and make sure that my hair looks a certain way but it's expensive and it's time consuming and it's a lot um But I will say that is something where you get the most compliments or like you get people stopping and asking, who did your hair? Did you do it? Or it looks really nice. I definitely agree with Andrea about this. And so I always wanted, you know, my hair to look a certain way. I've always had these very particular hair aspirations. Not only that, but I also have very vivid memories of my mom having these very strong attachments to what my hair should look like as well. My mother always made sure that my hair was done, but she did not um, allow me to relax it. So from like probably zero to 12, maybe I, I never had a perm in my hair. It was often in braids or she kept it uh, pressed like with a hot comb Uh, We all remember the hot comb. God, (laughs) Easter Sunday. Mom, why are you burning my ears? 
Um, so when I got to middle school, I very specifically remember this was middle school. I get to middle school and I want like the, the swoop bang, like the long straight hair. And I'm like so jealous. And I like beg and beg and beg my mom to let me relax my hair. She relents. And I remember the first day that I went to school afterward <laughs> and I just felt like I am the most special person in the whole world because my hair is straight now. <laughs> um, and, you know, to be able to have like hair that I can flip, you know, to have just a little bit of hang time, to be able to put it up in a ponytail. You couldn't tell me nothing. You could not tell me anything. You know, fast forward to high school, I'm like flat ironing it, curling it every day, like just trying to get like the perfect hairstyle constant. Like it's a big deal. My hair is a huge deal. Um, So at some point at the crown of my head, all of that hair, like right in the middle broke off, like at the root, like anything that wasn't new growth was gone. Um. And maybe, I don't know, I don't know if I had, I feel like I had permed it myself, mm. maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With like, just for me. Yeah. Well, you were beyond the just for me phase, so I it was did. probably. Oh, no, dark and lovely. Dark and lovely. That's, That's what, what I'm going to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The purple box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, my mom noticed, I, I don't, I think it was like maybe the where was the way I was wearing my hair. She noticed that like all of this hair in the middle of my head had just broken off and it was sh- so short. And she, when she realized it, she just started, she like destroyed whatever hairstyle I had and just start, started like going through it, running her fingers through and was devastated. She cried. I mean, she was so, she was so mad at me. And I remember feeling like, oh my God, I've really like done something terrible now. I feel like most teenagers have this with where they like they dye their hair some stupid color and it like turns green or something. <laughs> but for me it was this this perm disaster or whatever damage I did to my hair. But she I mean, you would have thought that I like deliberately murdered a pet. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why did she react that way? She, I, I mean, I, I can only speculate. Yeah. This wasn't something that we talked about in depth at the time. At the time, I was just so sad and ashamed, like, oh, my God, I really messed up, you know. And um, but I just she, but I do know that she cared so much about my hair and she had put a lot of like time and effort and money into me looking nice. And for me to have done whatever I did to destroy it, <laughs> she was just so sad. And mostly I just remember being just feeling bad that I had made her cry. Mm. She cried. Had you ever seen her cry over something like that before? No, wow. never. My mother's reaction to this debacle stayed with me. I realized how important hair was, and I carried that up through adulthood, right into my work life. 
like job interviews for black women are always like a, oh, wait, do I be me or do I be mm-hmm. who they want me to be? <laughs> and I had, by then I had discovered um, this like natural hairstyle where it's just like, it's one big twist around my head. It looks like a braid. Love that look. It's, yeah. So it's, and it's super quick to do. It's really simple. Um, I didn't have to like do anything extra to my hair to get it to do that. So I remember like feeling like, oh, I have a solution. I don't have to worry about <laughs> what my hair is going to look like. I don't have to choose between, you know, straightening my hair or an afro. <laughs> you know, like I don't have to choose between them or me. Now, Zelia, I have a hunch that you would have chosen the straight hair option. But that's a whole lot. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of energy. That's a whole lot of effort into something that I am doing for someone else. After a while, I just decided not to anymore. What was the first thing you let go from that time? It was my hair. So um, even though I had all these feelings about um, what my hair should look like, like I should be presentable and my hair is a really big part of that. You know, I'd already gotten over it being straight. I'd stopped perming my hair. I stopped perming my hair in college. Um, But there were still, like, hairstyles that were just, like, a little bit too much for the workplace. You know, an afro was, like, a big deal. Or wearing my hair in a wear that didn't seem tamed. Like, even if it was curly. If it was, like, too, like, out and in your face, it was too much. And I've always, like, admired the hairstyles I see and just have wanted to be like free enough to do them. And I remember in that job, I was just like, you know what? (sighs) (laughs) It is not worth all of this effort. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I was just like, I can't, you know, like, and and it happened over time, but I was just like, I I just, this isn't, you know, good for me. I'm just going to wear my hair out and not even like, in like a big curly fro. I had just like blown it out, but didn't style it. I didn't flat iron it after I blew it out. It was just like big. I don't like the, can I touch your hair? But I don't mind most of the questions. Um, There were mostly compliments, Mm -hmm. you know. Nobody pulled me aside like, we're going to have to ask you to go home. Like, <laughs> you know, no, nobody, nobody did anything like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, and I work in a, I work at a university. So I, I think that's probably accounts for at least some of why there was just very little fuss about it overall. You know, in college and studying abroad and, um, growing up again in very white spaces you feel othered having to do something that like your white friend doesn't do and I guess that's something that like was very young of me and at this point I'm like girl whatever who cares (laughs) um but yeah in the past it was something that I definitely struggled with I think I'm lucky to work in a place where You know, it doesn't matter that my braids are down to my calves, like, at all. It doesn't matter that sometimes I wrap my hair. It doesn't matter, um, you know, to be very much so like a black woman because 
I work in a place full of black children and also black women. I think if I were to work in like a corporate office or something, I would probably struggle with straddling that line of being considered professional, but also being authentic to who I am. But growing up just like as a person and maturing more, I think I've started to care less and less what people think about me and especially after living in a place where like your blackness was questioned and minimized so much um I definitely am like no I'm gonna get braids down to my calves like I'm gonna wrap my hair up in a scarf at work like I'm gonna wear a shirt that's like very pro-black um and I'm not gonna be embarrassed about that like I need to be so black and so like in your face that there's no question of what I am or who I am or what I'm about what's so often very difficult is this balancing act that we as black women and black people often have to do in the workplace or other places that may not be quite as welcoming to the way we tend to exist out in the world, especially when it comes to things like hair and clothes and even the way that we talk. In those times where we want to be proud of who we are and how we are, sometimes we're forced to make a decision. Do you watch Insecure? I do. Okay, I'm not caught up, so don't tell me anything new. So... You know, when Molly was working with that girl. Yeah. Yeah. And she told her, she was like, hey, listen, I just want to let you know that sometimes you come off in this way and like you should tone it down because like these people aren't really for it. And the girl was like, no, 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 they love it. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're a hater. Whatever. Bye. And and Molly was right that like she was being perceived in this like way where people thought she was uncouth and just like uneducated and all of these things that legitimately weren't true. Like from what I remember, she, you know, was qualified for the position and all of these things. Like it was fun at first because again, it's kind of like this minstrel thing where it's like, it's not, not minstrel, no, minstrel. minstrel. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> this minstrel thing where it's like, oh, you know, she's so funny and blah, 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 sister girl and all this like bullshit you have no buy-in like you have no reason to appreciate the way that I'm speaking other than you find it amusing so that's even problematic within itself Mm -hmm. so then it's like you have to learn to speak in a way where you know people will take you seriously instead of being amused by you sort of constrict ourselves because of the concerns that we have about how we're viewed out outside of our culture by white people. I want young black girls to be carefree and to love who they are fully and wholly as they are. I, I really and truly do. I also understand that the world that we live in, you know, not everybody works in an environment like mine where nobody's going to come out of pocket asking you something stupid about your hair. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and that's a real thing. That's a real life consequence. And, you know, we all have to do what's best for us, but I feel like we are healthier. We're happier in environments where we can be our whole selves. How do you prepare knowing though, that there may not be as many environments where we can do that? How do you prepare someone? That's a great question. In a healthy way, you know, looking the way that you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I, one, encourage um, women to seek out environments where this can be the case. No doubt. Um, to, To pay attention to those things and to make environments where you don't feel like suppressed or oppressed a priority. Um, I also understand that, again, not everyone can afford that. Um, but in, in spaces where we can, and if not at work, then who are you spending your time with? You know, who are you surrounding yourself with that can reinforce those values for you? Um, you know, what are, what is being said, um, in the places that you frequent, the organizations that you're associated with about who you are and what is presentable. Mm. And if those places are encouraging a view that um, encourages, encourages you to be you, then, you know, that's what I would encourage women to pursue, women yeah. of any age. Um, I also find that, like, the women that I know who are older than me, they often, you know, settle into this thought process over time you know the the older they get they've been they tell me that you know it's been easier for them to do what works best for them and I think you know where you can if you can create space for yourself um and you know hopefully that creates space for other people that's great Mm -hmm. if that's at all possible Mm -hmm. to do that if you can start your own thing or you know Provide a space, even if it is just for you, to allow yourself to be who you are in a certain setting. Like maybe you can't do it at work, but maybe you, you know, when you're at home, when you're with your friends, you are expressing outwardly, but always looking for the consistency. If you can be you in all places, I think that's better for, yeah, it's better for all of us. Azalea, I'm working really hard to be that level of free, especially when it comes to appearance. There is more to me than that. I'm not quite there yet, but it is something that I think is important enough to put some deliberate effort into on a regular basis. So that's what I'm trying to do. Baby steps each day. When I first sat down to talk with Andrea, she mentioned this quote by Maya Angelou that I looked for but could not find. But in doing so, I came across this quote by Ama Yasin that I wanted to share with you, and I think you'll appreciate it. If you have the privilege of being born a Black woman, it is my belief that it is a part of your divine mission to liberate yourself from all external and internalized oppression and thereby liberate the world. Ooh. Oh my God, is that not beautiful? Oh I just feel like I should put on like a beret. Right. 
leather jacket. You should just go out into the streets and you're free and, now. Right? <laughs> and liberate the peoples. <laughs> We're all free now. You're welcome. We're all free now. Sign you're welcome. Black women. Right. <laughs> Yours truly, black women. Right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The Colored Girl Beautiful was created and is hosted by me, Azalika Smith. This episode was produced by me and edited by Nicole Hill. Music is from Blue Dot Sessions. Azalea is the church mother who is preemptively handing you a lap cloth the second you get to your seat at church. We'll be back with a new episode on November the 12th. We want to know what you think of the show. Give us feedback. Tweet at us, leave us comments on Instagram. Go to our Facebook page, send us an email, send us voice messages. We want to hear your voice. We would love to feature some of you in our bonus episodes after the season ends. You can always visit us at coloredgirlbeautiful.com. Our website is a one-stop shop for subscribing to our newsletter, following us on social media, and staying in touch. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. And get your friends to do it too. And more importantly, tell your friends about the show. You guys have been so great so far getting the word out, and we really appreciate that. Keep doing it. The Colored Girl Beautiful is produced with support from PRX and the Google Podcast Creators Program. We'll see you in two weeks. So my favorite question to ask Andrea was if she had any what I call black girl aspirations. We know what those are. Like edges? Edges. Yes, edges. <laughs> yes, come through edges. Baby yes. hairs. Baby. <laughs> Laid, okay? Um, this is black girl blasphemy. But I have let go of the idea that I need to have my edges laid. Oh, whoa. I know. I know whoa. you're like judging me right now. I understand. I get it. Wow. I know. That's uh you can email Celica. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> Tweet her. <laughs> Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special mom in your life. And what better way than with the Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets that are perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their advanced eye care duo brightens, awakens, and firms the skin around your eyes, while the golden glow body trio nourishes and smooths the skin all over. Both sets are packaged in giftable boxes. They're so beautiful you can skip the wrapping. And the best part? For a limited time, you can save up to $46 on Osea's sets. Plus, get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. This Mother's Day, get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. Go to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off site-wide.